Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. Is out on a betcast. Jay will be missed. A boondoggle. Jay's out on a boondoggle. Call it what it is. Jay's not here doing his job. Jay's like literally doing a betcast. And you know what a betcast is? Betcast is literally like here's where you, that's what you do is when you're watching a game and you're a degenerate, which is basically Jay's real life. Just there's a camera in front of him. It's basically that's the same thing. The only thing that would make the betcast more realistic to Jay's life is if there's a three-year-old girl running I'm around. Wait for it. Right, but other than that, that's literally what Jay does every day of his life. Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Berry, served by Applebee's. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Happy Hour. It is Love Hate Day. I'm your host here, Connor Rogers, alongside Matthew Berry, and. Jay Croucher is back from his betcast that did his not boondoggle. include a three-year-old. Yeah. His boondoggle. I uh, missed the show yesterday, so I'm just seeing now for the first time that I was uh, my name was viciously attacked. Yes. Boondoggle. Uh, was it, was it viciously attacked or was it accurately reported? Accurately reported. You know what the definition of boondoggle is? What's work, that? work or activity that is wasteful or pointless but gives the appearance of having value. Don't. For the, for, the, for the record, that is my career. For the record, that is my career. Right there. My entire career uh, is a boondoggle. Barry doggle. By definition, a Barry doggle. Yeah, who, um, who won the betcast? Who won the betcast? Did, did they announce a champion? America, yeah, America won the betcast. Oh. Uh, the Braves beat the Phillies 4-1, Matthew. It was a okay. ripping game of baseball. Spencer Strider was dealing. There we go. You love to see it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said, the only thing that's different between Jay and real life and Jana Betcast is that there's not a three-year-old girl it's running true. around studio. Yeah, in true. studio. It's you should bring true. her next time. Yeah. Maybe I will. <laughs> Bring your three-year-old to Betcast <laughs> Work Day. It is Love Hate Day here yeah, for week two. Let's Before go. we get there, we got our Roto World Player news. Of course, you can find all your Roto World Player news on NBCSports.com. And guys, here are notable players that either missed practice or were limited in practice. Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, and Christian Watson all did not practice. Mark Andrews and Jerry Judy were limited. Raheem Mostert, he didn't practice with a knee, but it sounds like that could also be some veteran rest for Raheem Mostert, yeah. so we'll keep a close eye on that. Not very concerned there. Jalen Waddle limited with the oblique. He's been dealing with the midsection since summer, so maybe more rest for Waddle. Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins, though, two veteran wide receivers, they didn't practice either here, Barry. So what really stands at the top of the concern list right now as we reach the middle of the week here? I think it's Austin Eckler. You know, Austin Eckler does it. Does it. Yeah, Austin Eckler is so great, and it's not just because he's an investor in FantasyLife.com. I mean, that's one of the reasons, but it's also right, 18, 18 <laughs> yeah. touchdowns each of the last Drunk. few years. That's yeah. also a big part of it. But also, most importantly, honestly, it's one of the reasons we actually wanted, we actively pursued him as an investor. We were thrilled when he decided to come on board. All seriousness is that there is no player more fantasy-friendly than Austin Eckler, right? He understands it. He plays it. He is one of us. Like, he gets it. And so um, he's somebody who's very, very active about it. He's a friend of the show. He's been on this show multiple times uh, talking with us here at the happy hour. And 
recently, I think he was on uh, he was on the Yahoo podcast over there with Matt Harmon, and he was talking about the fact that uh, our friend and colleague Matt Harmon, colleague-ish, you know, I mean, well, there's an NBC you wrote a Yahoo sure. uh, deal there, so he's semi colleague, but uh, definitely a friend. And uh, he does a show with Austin Eckler, and Eckler was just like, yeah, go pick up Josh Kelly. That's my backup, and I don't know what's going to happen with the ankle, but you must get Josh Kelly. He's going to be the guy. Uh, he's really good. He's still available at the, as of right now, as of this taping. He's still available in over 40% of Yahoo leagues, which seems insane to me because he needs to be rostered in 100% of leagues because Austin Eckler is rostered in 100% of leagues. And as we saw on Sunday, and as we heard from the man himself, if Eckler misses any time, it will be the Josh Kelly show. It's too early to tell. Eckler's really good about, like, don't worry about it, I'm going to go. Or, like, ah, I don't know. And, like, just the early reports are, like, we have to see how the anchor responds. I want to get out there for my fantasy managers, but I also want to be smart. So that's the one that's most concerning to me. Like, let's see how that plays out as the week goes on. Yeah, and you don't love the matchup against Tennessee, which Definitely is not. maybe the worst matchup in football outside of playing the 49ers for a running back, given that uh, rushing defense. But at the same time, they're still three-point favorites in the game. He's still going to get work at the goal line, you'd expect, if he is the guy. And then after that... And I mean, in the passing work. And in the passing game, And passing course. game. And then after that, it's at Minnesota, Vegas. Like, if it does linger, then all of a sudden, he's going to be a, a really strong fantasy option in those games. Yeah, I don't know that I would start Josh... If Austin Eckler was out, I don't know that I would start Josh Kelly this week, except in a deeper league. But to your point... Like, and it's a lower matchup. But if Eckler's active, you have to start him, even at less than 100%, even in a tough matchup against Tennessee, because he'll be involved, uh, as we said, in the passing game. And, yeah, you hope that he, that, you know, Josh Kelly, if he goes and Eckler's out, that at least volume gets him there, to your point, and maybe he falls into the end zone. Yep. So while we keep an eye on all of those guys, if they play this weekend and, of course, Monday night, we know Eagles running back Kenneth Gainwell, dealing with a rib injury, will not play tonight against the Vikings on Thursday night football. Now, what remains to be seen here, guys, is if Rashad Penny can be active for this game and actually a part of the game plan in this game. But, Jay, obviously you would think that this, you know, puts a little bit more now on DeAndre Swift, who was not very involved in week one for the Eagles against New England. He wasn't. And Nick Sirianni said he wanted to get DeAndre Swift more than two touches, which, again, is something that you feel like Nick Sirianni had more control over and could have just done if he wanted to do it. But I think clearly DeAndre Swift is the guy that you want for tonight. He's clearly above uh, Rashad Penny in the pecking order, given that Rashad Penny was inactive. And then Boston Scott just doesn't have the ceiling. So I would expect, look, I don't know how it's going to shake out, but DeAndre Swift seems like the best bet of all these guys. Yeah, that would be my expectation here as well. Like, I have DeAndre Swift ranked the highest of the three of them, but I don't feel great about, candidly, any of them. My, my expectation, because it's just, it will be a committee. They will make a commitment to get Swift more often, but then watch Penny, who was a healthy scratch in week yeah. one, take his first carry for, like, 25 yards, yeah. have, like, a Brees Hall. fresh legs. Like, right, exactly. <laughs> have him, watch him have, like, a Brees Hall-like carry on the first run, and all of a sudden they're like, all right, well, we've got to keep that guy in there, hot hand. I know for a fact there have been times where I have talked to NFL offensive coordinators where they have told me some version, not this, like this is years ago, but like just to give this example, they'll be like, this is a DeAndre Swift game. I promise you, like that's how we're game planning. We think he's got, we've seen something in the defense, like he's, this is going to be a Swift game. And then Rashad Penny takes his first carry like 40 yards and like, well, well we're not, that guy's not coming out. You know what I mean? Right. Like it just, that does actually happen where they plan on one thing, but another guy makes a play and the coach is just going to ride the hot hand. Well, we're not taking him out after that. And then he keeps producing. Um, it's so funny. Uh, I saw this on Twitter. Dwayne McFarlane was just like, hey, you know what's going to happen here is that Rashad Penny, who is a healthy scratch in week one, is going for like a buck 20 and two touchdowns tonight. And Puka Nakua, who everyone picked up everywhere, is going for like two for 30 uh, this yes. week after everyone starts him because that's just how fantasy football 
football works. Yeah. yeah, I don't make the rules, but just that's how it works. So you know that's likely happening. But having said that, if I'm starting an Eagles running back, it is DeAndre Swift, given he got the second most usage after Gainwell. Uh, it is a good matchup. And, and Sirianni made a point in the postgame presser to say, we've got to get this guy more touches. Yeah, I think Rashad Penny is an okay deeper league option if you're in a matchup where you're really up against it, going up against the super team and you need variance. Because Rashad Penny... I think he's maybe the strangest running back in the NFL because when he's healthy and on the field, he plays like he's, he's literally the best runner in the NFL. Yeah. The last sustained healthy period was that last six weeks of 2021 when he was the best running back in football. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that he's a healthy scratch wasn't a great sign, but I do think that in a favorable matchup where they're six-and-a-half-point favorites expecting to run the ball, that he, he may get some run. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> over the last two seasons, to your point, minimum 150 rushes, He's got a 6.2 yards per carry average. That is best in the that's, NFL that's among good. any running back as well. So, right, and you could see them, especially in a game in which they're favored at home, you could see them wanting to get get everything going on this offense, right? And so uh, I like Jalen Hurts um, uh, in this game. I think Hurts has a monster game here, and we're going to talk later in the show about some of our best bets for tonight's game. But um, uh, I expect the Eagles to win and cover in yep. this one. To give you an idea, DraftKings right now has DeAndre Swift's rushing prop at 34 and a half yards, which isn't that high, and has uh, Rashad Penny at uh, 30 and a half. So pretty, pretty close. But Swift more value because more usage in the. Yeah, well, I mean, where, where's DeAndre Swift's receiving prop? That's the more interesting one so he's to at, me. He's at 14 and a half, slightly backed over, but has more upside there. Yeah, I think I would. I think I would take the over on the 14 and a half. I prefer that to the rushing because who knows with the the rushing but the expectation here is that Swift should be used at least somewhat in the passing attack of course we will do our best bets at the end of today's show for Thursday night football but we have a loaded love hate day here so let's keep the running back conversation going we all right we love Nick Chubb on this show but it's no surprise Nick Chubb's teammates love him even more so we got to hear from Ethan Posick Brown's offensive lineman on what makes Chubb so great yeah, he's amazing. He's an amazing teammate, amazing running back. Obviously, it seems like he's just always on it. Like every day, he's just consistently great. He doesn't even really talk much, but he he kind of gives you that um, like momentum, and um, it just you know it gives you good energy. Hey, led by Nick Chubb in the running back group here, and listen, the news only got better this week, Barry. Unfortunate for the Steelers, but fortunate for Nick Chubb. Cam Hayward obviously not playing this game. Cam Hayward expected to basically miss the first half of this NFL season. You love Nick Chubb in week two. Well, first off, I mean, San Francisco had their way with the Steelers in terms of the run game. 188 rushing yards. They gave up 5.5 yards per carry in week number one. Now, some of that's skewed by the big run that McCaffrey had, but still, the fact of the matter is, is that the Niners had their way with the Steelers' defense, and now they get worse with Cam Hayward out. Nick Chubb, Look, we talked about this in sort of my uh, – in kind of the takeaways from week one, and that, you know, it wasn't a ton. But Nick Chubb got four targets. He caught all four. He actually, believe it or not, was third on the Browns in targets, uh, you know, after Cooper and Elijah Moore on Sunday. So that 13.8% target share last week, the second highest of his career in a single game over the past four seasons for Nick Chubb. And so Nick Chubb, who's going to get a lot of work, suddenly has at least a small involvement in the passing game and gets what you'd think would be a is a better than what you might think uh, matchup with the Steelers that struggled against the run last week and now has no Cam Hayward. He's a top five running back for me. I think some people might think, ah, boy, on the road at Pittsburgh and at AFC North divisional battle. Like I might downgrade Nick Chubb. I don't know. I'm not downgrading. I'm upgrading him this week. A little weird that Jerome Ford got 15 carries last week against they Cincinnati. Him. 
They killed him. Joe Burrow couldn't complete a pass. They killed him. It was a very yeah. good game script, though, for Nick Chubb. We, just, we don't see him get 25, 26 carries, and we thought that was because of Kareem Hunt. But if they're going to be using Jerome Ford as well, look, I agree. The, that is mitigated by the fact that they're using him more in the passing game. But I would like to see Nick Chubb just have, like, a 25-carry game and just be kind of run into the ground in the second half to ice away a game. It doesn't seem like they use him like that. I'm not willing. To, that was such a weird game. Cincinnati was so brutal in that game. I'm not willing to... You know, think about that. And I think one of the things that we talked about in the offseason was we expect, now again, it's all up to Watson, right? But we expect this Browns offense to be more efficient than they were last year. We expect them to be better, to be more up-tempo, to be in scoring position more often under Deshaun Watson. In theory, a good Deshaun Watson versus Jacoby Brissett last year. And so I think one of the things that we talked about in the offseason about Nick Chubb is like, listen, he may only touch the ball 15 times a game versus 22 but it's going to be a lot more efficient. He's going to see a lot less loaded boxes because they now suddenly have to respect the passing game in a way that they didn't before. And so uh, I'm not worried about Nick Chubb's usage. And honestly, like if you're telling me he's going to get 15 carries and four receptions a game, I will take that all day, every day. Yep. Yeah, part of me wonders, too. I mean, as Watson's struggles continue, he did not have a good first half in that game. He didn't look comfortable throwing the ball. Yes, it was raining. That probably helps Nick Chubb in the passing game because he's an outlet. He's an outlet with soft hands for Deshaun Watson. So we'll see if that passing game usage continues. One player we know the passing game uh, usage is always there is Ramondre Stevenson. You You know, my wife has never referred to me as an outlet with soft hands. And I'm now I'm thinking about that, and I'm just going to bring that up to her. I'm going to bring that up just because that's my love language. Today. I'm yeah. going to say, like, could you just every once in a while, just you know, when you're talking with your girlfriends, you know, my husband is. He's he's an outlet with soft hands. That's all I'm asking. All right. That's all <laughs> well, I'm asking. Another, a guy that we know is an outlet with soft hands. Ramondre Stevenson. How about that next up on the love list here, Jay? I have a soft belly. That's something. <laughs> Uh, I lost it. Yes. Lost it. Jay, you're back. Right, you're you're sure. back on. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. It's okay. Little, you want to talk about Ramondre Stevenson? Not really. We can just actually go to James Cook. No, but seriously, Ramondre Stevenson, right, he has the Dolphins in week two. Vic Fangio is actually pretty public this week that he felt like he didn't do enough to prepare his defense for the yeah. Chargers rushing attack. We yeah, saw he's right. We saw Kelly have a big day. And now, Jay, Ramondre Stevenson makes the love list. He comes in as RB11 for Barry this week. Facing that Dolphins run defense. Yeah, and the key was, was, was Ezekiel Elliott going to vulture all the you know, third down short yardage work and goal line work? No, Ramondre still got work there. And the fact that the, the Dolphins were so gashed, uh, that that looks like a way that you could potentially attack their defense. You look at the snap right there, Ramondre Stevenson playing 74% of snaps. I mean, if that maintains for the season, then you're looking at, uh, you know, an RB1. By the way, he also saw both snaps inside the 10-yard line. It's a good matchup against the Dolphins. You mentioned Vic Fangio said they wasn't, you know, prepared enough, but th- it's one week. Like, I don't know if you, you're not building Rome in a week. You're not fixing it. They allowed 255 total yards and two touchdowns to the Chargers running backs in week one. Miami's allowed the six most receiving yards to running backs since the start of last season. So we talked about this. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson uh, played 75% of the third downs for the Patriots on Sunday. And you know what Ramondre Stevenson did not do on Sunday? Hmm. Fumble. He didn't fumble. You know what Zeke did? He did fumble. Now, here's my question to you guys. Since that fumble, has anyone actually seen Ezekiel Elliott? <laughs> or, do we th- or do we think he's, he's somewhere in the New Jersey Badlands? He's uh, under dirt. I'm just saying, you know, it's a fair Coach point. Belichick does not like running backs who fumble. We do not have confirmation on that yet. Keep an eye on Ezekiel Elliott in practice this there, week. You know, he might be my MIA. Anyway, God the bless. fact of the matter is, is that, you know, he had, he had a very good game last week. The, the, the concerns on Ezekiel Elliott were overblown. People who bought the dip on Ramondre Stevenson were rewarded. 
and I think he'll be rewarded again this week. He's a top 12 play for me in week two. Staying in the AFC East running back picture, James Cook makes the love list. James Cook, of course, uh, you know, handled a lot of the work, 80% of the yes, running sir. back carries for the Bills in week one against the Jets. James Cook looked good in this game. Yeah, Despite the Bills kind of getting away from the run game in the second half, it felt like at times, Barry, you seem pretty excited about James Cook. He lands in your top 15 running backs for week number two. And, hey, that matchup. Can't ask for much more there. You can't ask better for better for a matchup for the Raiders as Las Vegas allowed 131 total yards to running backs in week number one as well. I agree with you. James Cook looked better. He looked like the best Cook brother on that field yep. as well. His 15% target share, by the way, for the Bills, second highest on the team. He got six targets. Now, I think some of that is credit to the secondary of the Jets, but make no mistake, Josh Allen not scared to dump it off to James Cook and make him a part of the passing game. 80% of the running back carries in week one for Buffalo went to James Cook as well. And so in a, in a much more positive game script, I think the Bills kill him, honestly. I think, you know, they get back on track and, uh, you know, listen, nice gutty win for the Raiders in week number one, but I think reality's coming in in a uh, in an angry Josh Allen. Yeah. Bills are eight and a half point favorites, so you'd expect a pretty favorable game script. And I think as well, like Cook had an, an underwhelming game in terms of fantasy production, but... Again, we're so biased by week one because that's all that we've seen. That's 100% of the sample size. And so everyone is just, you know, completely riding off the Giants and riding off the Steelers. Like those teams played the maybe the best defenses in the league and the Bills played the Jets, who also have an argument for the best defense in the league. So most of the time, it should be easier going for James Cook and the usage that he got is very encouraging. I'm so glad you brought that up, Jay, in terms of like it's week one. Like, so I, I, my love-hate column will be up in a, uh, just a little bit on NBCSports.com, RotoWorld.com, 100% free as always. I'm a company man. And one of the points I made, so it's, a, it's a fun story that I think you guys will like, but one of the points I made about, hey, it's just week one, just a year ago at this time, when we were heading into week two of the 2022 season, among the top 10 running backs in week number one were Dontrell Hilliard yes. and James Robinson, who later that year would be without an NFL team. I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, it's one week. We're on to week two. We're on to Cincinnati. Like, again, just like if you had a bad week, right, you know, if you're, uh, if you're sitting there like, what I do drafting, uh, you know, Joe Burrow or Josh Allen T. Or, Higgins. or T. Higgins <laughs> or Dallas Goddard or, um, you know, Lamar Jackson who had a bad game, like, it's fine. Maybe the Drake London it, one, it's though, fine. is a little, the, little the, real. <laughs> Drake London, that one's real. That one you're allowed to panic on. But um, <laughs> the third – seriously, after week one last year, the third best quarterback in fantasy was Carson Wentz. I swear to God. Yeah. I may have brought that up. In, now he's in the New Jersey Badlands looking yeah. for Zeke Elliott. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Hoping for a gig. I mean, Rex Burkhead. Zeke or a job. Yeah. Rex Burkhead was RB1 for the yeah. Texans week one last year. The Bears beat the 49ers 19 to 10, I think. Yeah, soon, weird stuff happens. Yeah, weird, weird stuff, stuff happens. happens Others receiving votes very quickly. Just Rashad White. I know he was brutal um, in, uh, in week number one, but the usage was there, 19 touches, and now he gets a Bears team that allowed 185 yards and two touchdowns to running backs in week number one. Hey, James Conner is on the field, right? He had an almost 20% target, last, target share last week, second highest on the team, his 83% snap rate in week one as well. Good matchup against the Giants. Have him as a top 20 play. And how about A.J. Dillon? 15 touches in week one. Aaron Jones has that hamstring injury. We don't know if he's going to be playing or even 100%. Falcons did allow 167 total yards to running backs in week number one. Those are those guys that are others receiving votes. And how about Jameer Gibbs? I get it. It was disappointing last week, but now he gets uh, – that was week one. On the road 
at the Super Bowl champions. We expected low usage there. The game script worked in favor of David Montgomery, but now the Lions 1-0. They want to get Gibbs. I, my impression of Gibbs was similar to what I saw from Brees Hall in week one, where I know it was limited usage, but you were like, wow. And I know, he didn't have, I know he didn't run for like 90 yards right. on one play, but it was the same thing where he just sort of popped off the screen. Yep. And this week against Seattle, which just got completely bulldozed by Kieran Williams and Cam Akers, I think Jameer Gibbs is a top 20 play this week. Yep, I agree. I'm concerned about David Montgomery. I think there's room for both of those guys to provide value. But I'm almost more concerned about Montgomery blocking Gibbs's upside than I am Dalvin Cook blocking Brees Hall. Because I think that hmm. uh, Brees Hall will just become the guy. Jameer Gibbs, I think Dave Montgomery's going to get a lot of work no matter what. There's no question about that. I mean, like, and it's one of the reasons why Montgomery, both guys, Gibbs and Montgomery, were on my love list in the preseason. But what I will say is, like, what the Lions want to do, that's what they, they want to run the ball. Yep. The strength of that team is that offensive line. They want both guys involved. And so my point is, is that you literally got, I'm just telling you, you have two days. You have until Sunday afternoon to trade low for Jameer Gibbs. Because after that, you're not getting him at all. Yep. That line is down to Detroit minus four and a half, home to Seattle. That's too cool. small for me. Yeah. yeah. I think cool. that'll get bigger. Yes, it should. Moving over to the hate list for running backs. You mentioned Cam Akers. His matchup gets just a little bit harder this week. He's got the 49ers, Barry. He barely sneaks into your top 40 running backs for, for that matchup. Yeah, we're short on time. So, look, he's playing San Francisco. And, by the way, he might not even be the starter on his own team. There you go. Let's move on. <laughs> I hate to admit it, but Brian Robinson. You know I love Brian Robinson. The dude came back from being shot. Like, I will never doubt Brian Robinson. I will say, though, it's the second lowest implied team total in week number two, so we don't expect a lot of scoring in this game against the Broncos. Denver allowed 2.1 yards per carry in week number one as well. I think the touchdown was a little fluky. It was probably intended for Logan Thomas when you go back and watch the tape, right? You know, but <laughs> Robinson sort of stepped in front of it and caught it, got into the end zone here. I have him just as running back 30 there. And... Also, a lot of Dalvin Cook talked uh, so far. He also makes the hate list as well. Look, it's Dallas, right? I mean, the fact of the matter is, is Dalvin Cook was not the best running back on his team on Monday night and now a second week into the season. He had just 53% of the team's running back touches last week, averaged 3.7 yards per touch, while, you know, Brees Hall averaged over 13 yards per touch, skewed by that big run. But still, to the eye test, Brees Hall is, as of – we thought Brees Hall would be the better running back like mid-thrave through the season. Brees Hall's the better running back right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, my expectation is on the road at Dallas, the Cowboys are going to say, like, we'll take our chances with Zach Wilson beating us. We're stacking the box. We're they not going to let you run all over us. Yeah, they have to. Yeah, on the accidental Brian Robinson touchdown, kind of conspicuously less future Hall of Fame chat from uh, Matthew Berry around mm-hmm. Sam Howell after so Sam Howell went 19-31 against the, the Cardinals. Fact, listen, back to the matter. Sam, Sam Howell's actually on the hate list this week, too. Uh, but uh, well, he's not. I can't put him on the hate list, but he's definitely lower in my rankings. But, um, look, he, he has a chance to become the first quarterback in NFL history to have a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown in each of his first three NFL games. He did it against Dallas last year. He did it against uh, the Cardinals in week one. So he's got a chance to do it again uh, this week against the Denver Broncos as well. Listen. The road to the, the Hall of Fame is not, you know, not always paved with gold. Like, Peyton Manning, like, you know, I think led the league in interceptions his first year in the league. It's true. Sam Howell is on that Peyton Manning career track. There's no doubt about it. it to Commander's Ring of Honor, Sam yeah. Howell first. Yeah. And then if he, you know, outplays expectations, we could make it Hall of Fame. Let's just make it, he can be the best the Washington Commanders. The Commanders have a Ring of Honor, right? The Commanders have a Ring yeah, of Honor. that's a nice ring to it. Absolutely. Sam Howell, future Commanders Ring of Honor. I think future Hall of Famer. We reorient expectations. So he can be the best Washington Commanders quarterback since that run that Todd Collins had back in 2007 yeah. or whatever. He looked really good. You know what? Listen, 
RG3's rookie year was sure. legitimately yes. great, yes. and Kirk Cousins definitely had some very good moments. Yes. Okay. So it's been, a, but it has been a while since we've seen Kirk. I mean, you know. Anyway, uh, but yeah, um, whatever. Same Howell's a QB two with upside. All right, until he gets into the Hall of Fame. With that, uh, we'll take our first break here. But when we're back, we'll talk love hate for those quarterbacks, and we'll get into, of course, the pass catchers as well. Across America, BP supports more than two hundred seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's been a while yeah. since uh, I've been shut out like that. Obviously, uh, it's not very much fun. Fantasy owners aren't too happy with me, but, uh, you know, Eagles fans, uh, we got the win, and that's, that's what we care about. Do you hear a lot of that? Uh, with fantasy owners, yeah, they weren't too happy with me. Uh, they people were yelling at me about stuff like that, but you know, I don't really care about that. I had myself on fantasy; I didn't win, probably because of myself. So, uh, you know, move on to next week. Love hate pass catchers. Great accountability from Dallas Goddard. There. Thousand percent, right? You know, what I mean, and let's be clear: like Dallas Goddard drinks free here at the Happy Hour Bar. He drinks free, and I'll tell you why because. Who among us hasn't started ourselves and lost our own fantasy game because we were getting a zero in our own lineup? That would happen if I started myself. So I appreciate that, Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard and all fantasy managers that are 0-1 after week one, but looking for a better performance, you guys drink free, led by Mr. Goddard, who should have a monster game tonight for the Philadelphia Eagles as they take on Minnesota. Yeah, it feels like after the goose egg, yeah. there'll be a big bounce back. You can kind of just... I just think the entire team. Eagles team, yes. like I just... You know, it'll be really interesting, though, because the, it's so weird because the Vikings are 0-1 and the Eagles are 1-0, but it sort of feels different. feels like the Eagles are more desperate, if that makes any sense. I think that we'll learn more about the Eagles from tonight's game. I think we kind of know what the Vikings are. They're kind of 500-ish type of team, but the Eagles... Yeah, the, well, that got lucky last year yes. in, in every yeah. close game. Right. And they're a regression and the right. team. And it flipped Expected. already in week one against right. the Bucs, so... If the Eagles' offense doesn't look good tonight, then I think alarm bells start to just ring in the background a little bit because they look completely off-kilter against the Pats. I think that's probably just the product of the Pats having an awesome defense, uh, but there'll be no excuses if they don't light up the Vikings. Let's get to the love list for the pass catchers here. This is headlined by Calvin Ridley, who his return uh, was announced in a loud way. I mean, he had 11 targets in this game. He looked great. Catch the ball from Trevor Lawrence here, Barry. Calvin Ridley... 
there was doubt in his return, but he lived up to every bit of hype he got all summer in this offense. And then some, right? I mean, just a massive target share. He got 50% of the team's red zone targets as well. Overall, a 34% target share. Like Trevor Lawrence was looking for him early and often. I expect it to be the same against the Chiefs, where the over-under for this game, 51, is the highest of Week 2. We expect a ton of points to be scored between the Jags and the Chiefs since the start of last season. Only one team in the NFL has allowed more touchdowns to opposing wide receivers than the Kansas City Chiefs. So Calvin Ridley is a top seven play for me this week. Yep, certainly look the part. I'm going to make a prediction as well. I think if the Jags beat the Chiefs, uh, Monday morning Trevor Lawrence will be the MVP favorite. Mm. He'll have Mahomes 0-2. He'll be 2-0 himself. And he's almost certainly going to have to play well to beat Mahomes in the process. Uh, Tua, who's right now the joint favorite, he's going to play the Pats defense, which isn't easy. So uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, I think people are sleeping on him a little bit. Barry, you always talk about like that call. how you could beat the Chiefs by attacking them in the slot. I'm curious yeah. to see if they push Calvin Ridley into the slot to kind of maximize their offense in this game. I, I think they will, and I think you'll see more. Like, you know, listen, if ever there was a week to use Christian Kirk, we talked about it on yesterday's show, it's that I do one. think, like, this is in a deeper league, in a 12-team, three-wide receiver league, if you need some wide receiver help. Like, for example, like Brandon Cooks. During the break, we got news that Brandon Cooks is dealing with an MCL. He's not going to practice today. His availability for Sunday's game against the Jets is in doubt. Like, you know, like, you're not, you didn't want to start Cooks against the Jets anyway. So that feels like a, a, anyone that isn't CeeDee Lamb, eights as I call him, uh, you're, you're sort of avoiding that situation. Uh, Kirk would be somebody that you could, if you're in a deep league where you were considering that. Back that, to Thursday night. Aversion. Back yeah. to Thursday night football, Jay. Devontae Smith makes the love list. Listen, 10 targets in week one. He looked great. Um, we know this Eagles offense will really want to get in sync out of the gate on the short week. Devontae Smith against the Vikings defense, which doesn't look good at all. It didn't really look great last year either when they had a winning season. Should be a big night for him. Yeah, I think so. And as much as uneven as the Eagles offense look like, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, still 20 targets between them. They both get seven receptions. A.J. Brown gets a bit more in terms of yardage, but Devontae Smith gets the touchdown. And, yeah, he's in line for uh, what looks like a monster season. Since the start of last season, Vikings allowed the second most yards to wide receivers as well. I'm as a top ten play this week. All right, moving on, looking over at the Chargers offense. Keenan Allen goes up against that Titans secondary. On the show, we talk about all the time how you don't want to start a running back against the Titans front, but you do want to start your wide receivers against them, Barry. Since the start of last year, Tennessee has not only allowed the second most yards and receptions, uh, they've allowed the second most yards and receptions to the slot, which is obviously where Keenan Allen plays a lot as well. Since he returned in week 11 of last year, the only wide receiver with more receptions than Keenan Allen is Justin Jefferson, 29% target share in week number one. It's a great matchup for him. I'm at wide receiver 14 in my current ranks. You know, full steam ahead. They're not going to be able to run the ball, especially with Eckler banged up. Like, this is going to be a full-blown. And hint, I expect Justin Herbert to have a big game here as well. A little foreshadowing for quarterback love. Yeah, I think if you're going to overreact a little bit to week one, the way to do it is with new offensive coordinators, just uh, new schemes and seeing what they want to do. And it's a one-week sample, but at the same time, Keenan Allen, those nine targets, no one else on the team had more than five. All right, our next pass catcher here, Zach Ertz. It feels like everybody right now, Jay, might be looking for tight end help. We've just seen a ton of injuries at this position. We've also seen a lot of poor production or lack thereof production at this position. Zach Ertz goes against the Giants, who are still looking for their first point in this NFL season, by the way. Yeah, they are. Uh, You know, a lot of people tried to bet on the Bengals to be the lowest-scoring team of Week 1 when the Joe Burrow calf injury happened, so it was a lot of money on that. The Bengals score three points, and uh, that bet still goes down (laughs) because the Giants... Put up a goose egg. Zach Ertz had 10 targets in week one, which is, seems insane, but he's 
similar to last season. Like, when he is on the field, he is still going to be a receiving weapon for a very limited team, Matthew. That's correct. And not only a limited team, but honestly, the fact of the matter is, is that Josh Dobbs, just either because it's a comfort level thing or just, you know, where, uh, where this offense is leading him, he likes to dump off to the running back. He likes to dump off to uh, the tight end as well. He's had, what's weird, though, is regardless of who quarterback is, whether it's been Dobbs or Colt McCoy or, or Kyler Murray, Zach Hurts has played 10 full games with Arizona since, since uh, the beginning of last season. Remember, he got traded midseason to the Cardinals. His 10 full games with Arizona, he's averaging almost eight targets a game. Cowboys, target, uh, Cowboys tight ends had a 32% target share against the Giants last week as well. So I do think Zach Ertz, if you're desperate, I get it. It feels gross, but right, I think he's a top 12 play this week. Yeah, it's a strange sentence, but can't really disagree just given the other options and how bad the Giants' defense looked. Some others receiving votes here. Zay Flowers, who had 10 targets, and five of them were screens week one. Todd Munkin is dying to get Zay Flowers the ball. DJ Moore, Puka Nakua, one of the hottest names from the waiver wire this week. Nico Collins, of course, now catching passes from C.J. Stroud. Sam Laporta, who had a really solid debut of uh, the opener of this season on the Lions. And then Dalton Kincaid who also was a nice little outlet check-down option. Hey, soft hands there, Barry, for the Bills. Yeah, and a nice outlet, uh, as you say. Uh, since the start of last season, Vegas allowing the third-highest catch rate, two tight ends. Kincaid played 80% of the offensive snaps in Week 1. We like the Bills uh, to bounce back in a big way here. And I'll just also mention Sam Laporta, who I know it was somewhat quiet in the box score, but I think what was encouraging here. of the offensive snaps in week number one. Seahawks, by the way, allowed the second most yards to tight ends in week number one. They've actually allowed the most yards to tight ends since the start of last year. This is an area where you can attack uh, Seattle as well. So I do think Laporta is a viable tight end two this week. I'm at tight end 13. And the only one that but also might raise uh, eyebrows there is Puka Nakua being on there. I get it that he was so awesome in week one. And you're like, yeah, but he's playing San Francisco this week. Very quietly last week, the Niners allowed 19 receptions two wide receivers in week number one. Now, they got when they got in close, they shut it down, but my expectation here is that McVay finds ways to scheme him open, and I think they're just going to, because they'll have no other choice, they will force targets to Puka Nakua, which means no worries. <laughs> Doesn't mean no worries, but that's fine. Uh, <laughs> how much do you believe in Puka Nakua, Connor? Like how, in terms of rookie wide receivers, Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, JSN, Puka Nakua, I like where wanna, does he I just want to say this, that if you don't believe, that's when the magic stops. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. That's what okay. I tell my kids. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as long as you believe, the magic happens. <laughs> he had 15 targets. I believe. I, thank one, you. I believe you in no. the play caller. Ma- by the no, way, no, seriousness. No, see, go ahead. You answer for real. <laughs> Matthew Stafford was looked phenomenal. Looked great. Right. Right. Everything with Stafford is that timing and accuracy. And that Puka Nakua sometimes wasn't even really open, and the ball just got there from Stafford. Mm-hmm. So when you combine what he has around him plus opportunity, like if Cooper Cup comes off the short-term IR, I would really all of a sudden really take a step back and be like, this is Cooper Cup's offense, as anyone would. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much confidence I have in that, so fire up Puka Nakua. I'm more confident in him to keep this going than Tutu Atwell, and they both had huge week ones. Yeah, I wonder if he can sustain value, though, when Cup comes back, because I think the team is going to be throwing a lot, and Cup is just one guy, and we've seen what you know Robert Woods did in the offense, what Odell Beckham did in the offense, so I think that he, he, might, be, he might be real. I, I believe, Matthew. What, what, which I appreciate. I Thank you. That's, that's how the magic happens. I, the other thing here is, is that more importantly, whether you believe or not, Jay, you know who does believe is that's Sean McVay. Yeah. Exactly. And this is something that isn't like just new to week one. This is something we talked about a little bit in the preseason. They really like him 
in L.A. The question was how much would he get on the field? And then once we knew Cooper Cup was likely to miss week one, we talked about, hey, pick up Puka Nakua. And then once it came out that, oh, no, he's going on IR and he's going to miss four games, we're like, watch Puka Nakua be involved because they like him a lot there in L.A. He's had a very strong camp. And so, and then after his performance in week one, that only solidifies it. On, we always talk about this, right? Fantasy, uh, fantasy success comes from talent and opportunity. Cooper Cup's injury allowed Puka Nakua's talent to get the opportunity. They don't have a lot else there in that passing game. Like, again, Atwell had a nice game and Van Jefferson's there. But weirdly, I do think Puka Nakua, which I'm almost positive means no worries. <laughs> We need to verify that with Blake, but uh, okay. we'll let it stand for the moment. I think you raised the biggest point, Connor, which is that Matthew Stafford looked kind of like a guy who won the Super Bowl 18 months ago. Le- legit, yeah. like top six quarterback yeah. is how he, he played was magnificent. week one, just on the tape. And then one more I want to double down on, Barry, is Sam Laporta. I didn't think Seattle could rush the passer at all week one. If you're telling me they have any shot to do that against that Lions offensive line, I say no. Jared Goff will have a picnic in the pocket. That looks great for their pass catchers, and it looks great for a guy that's always on the field in Sam Laporta. So let's go to the hate list pass catchers. Yep. And this one breaks my heart at the top, but I understand. It's Garrett Wilson. Wow. Yeah, Zach Wilson gets fed to that Cowboys pass rush. They have great – Stephon Gilmore looks great. They have great cornerback play. Garrett Wilson, Barry, unfortunately, he's on the top of the hate list right now after massive expectations. I am rooting so hard. Legitimately, I am rooting so hard for Zach Wilson. I hope that kid crushes. I hope that kid shoves it in everyone's face that has been making fun of him for the past year. I am rooting so hard for Zach Wilson and the Jets. I really hope – they make a great run here. But even if you include last week when Garrett Wilson had to simultaneously <laughs> create offensive pass interference with one arm and then juggle the ball with another hand to bring that in for a touchdown, even if you include that, which at the moment is the, you know, that's the bar to clear for best catch of the year. Uh, even if you include that, and the 10 games that Garrett Wilson has played with Zach Wilson as the starter, again, including last week, He's averaged 9.2 fantasy points per game. Single-digit fantasy points. He averages under four receptions and under 50 receiving yards in those games. He's had under 45 receiving yards in 7 of 10. One total touchdown in those 10 games. We saw it, and it, it had to be like a catch for the, for the ages to make that a touchdown. Yeah. And now, even with all that, it's also, oh, by the way, they're playing the Cowboys, which literally might be the 85 Bears. Is that bad? Yeah. I mean, like... Like, I mean... Here's the catch right here. In week number one, Dallas allowed 41 yards to opposing wide receivers. In a game in which they were killing them, 41 yards. I mean, watch that catch. For those of you watching on Peacock or the NFL and NBC YouTube channel that are watching this, um, that you can see the footage here. Like, the, what Garrett Wilson has to do, like, literally, he's pushing off with his left arm and, hold, and holding White off the side. Look at this. And then he, with it, the back of his hand pushes it up, volleyballs it to himself, somehow comes down with it. It's Tredavious White as well. I mean, right. by the way. <laughs> not like yeah. some random I mean, right, not some, some random fifth-string uh, rookie. No, it's no. freaking Tredavious White that Gary Wilson had to make a it's unbelievable catch. Like, yeah. he, had to make, Sorry, he had to make an Odell Beckham-esque catch. Um, so I have Garrett Wilson outside. I think if you have him, you still have to start him. But yeah. I'm at wide receiver 22, which is the lowest I ever expected to rank Garrett Wilson this year. Yeah. Sam Monson at PFF had a really good tweet where he said that if you're a quarterback and you're under, under pressure 45% of the time, that's like non-viable. You just can't compete in that atmosphere. Daniel Jones was under pressure 67% of his dropbacks. And it's not like the Jets uh, have the Lions offensive right. line either. So Wilson, Zach Wilson is going to be under siege. I think the only way that he's really going to survive this is if the defense is – 
turning Dak Prescott over and giving putting him in positions to succeed. But I think it's going to be a tough day for and both. Just run the ball. That's what I was going to say. I mean, yeah. both guys. Like again, I put Dalvin Cook on the hate list, but Dalvin Cook may make me look stupid for that call just based on volume. Like Dalvin Cook may average two point five yards per carry, but he gets twenty three touches Easily. and like it just you know, and he falls into the end zone and like all of a sudden you know. So anyway, unfortunately. Garrett Wilson does make the hate list this week uh, on the road at the Cowboys. But, hey, I'm an equal opportunity hater. You are. You, you gotta, Nobody you gotta, can ever deny that of you. I mean, you I'll gotta, give you that. you got to admit. I won't give you much, but I will give you that. I appreciate that. Because even though he has future Hall of Famer Sam Howell throwing to him, Terry McLaurin, who's one of my favorite players in the NFL, makes this week's hate list. He's outside my top 25, just at wide receiver 27. First off, Patrick Sertain. Like, that's just an unbelievably tough matchup. Since the start of last year, uh, Broncos have allowed the second fewest yards to opposing wide receivers, and last week, like McLaurin, I don't know if it was the turf toe, maybe it was the, you know, maybe the Howell and Dotson have more of a connection here, but he had a 13.8 percent target share, that was fourth on the team, uh, you know, what I mean, like the the fact of the matter is, is they just weren't looking his way. That's always been one of the hallmarks of McLaurin is that no matter who was throwing to him, the passing offense went through him. But whether it's because the turf toe or because the emergence of Jahan Dotson or just Sam Howell's preferences or some combination thereof, that, that target share just doesn't seem like it's going to McLaurin. So again, uh, kills me to say this, but he's outside my top 25 for the week. Yep, brutal matchup against the Broncos, who, again, they go under, their defense goes under the radar because that team hasn't had any success, but that is an elite defense. And uh, Sertain is, I think, along with Source Gardner, perhaps the best corner in the league. They play some of the ugliest games in the NFL. Every game like. is 17-16. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And they lose 80% yep. of the time. Yep. Our last one here on the hate list for pass catchers is Dalton Schultz, who uh, gets the Colts this week. And Barry, this is somebody who now sits outside your top 15 tight ends for week number two. 8%. This dude was targeted at 8% of his routes in, num- uh, in week number one. He's one of f- four tight ends. He's one of only four tight ends in week one to play over 80% of the snaps and have a target share below 10%. A lot of cardio. <laughs> he was out there. They just He couldn't get open. They weren't looking for him. Texans ran three plays in the red zone last week. Three plays, and now they're against Indianapolis. And while the Colts' defense isn't awesome, the interior, the middle of that field, uh, at least is somewhere that uh, I think they are better than. It just It's hard for me to trust Dalton Schultz. There's no upside. Like... It's not like Dalton Schultz is, like, super athletic. Like, the, the pro-Dalton Schultz argument is volume. Oh, well, he's going to get a ton of work, right, because he's all they have. Well, not so much because clearly C.J. Stroud, who did not look great in week one, but when he was able to get the ball out, he was looking for Robert Woods. He was looking for Nico Collins. Like, I just – give me the Luke Musgrave, Sam Laportas, Zach Ertz. It's like there's a zillion other tight ends uh, out there that if you're looking in, a, in the tight end two range that I prefer – to Dalton Schultz this week, who's merely my tight end 18. Yep. Moving over to quarterbacks on the love-hate list here. We talked about during pass catchers, love Keenan Allen this week, and we got to hear from his quarterback, who might make the love list here, what? on how all of his weapons make his life easier. I think that's the you know the great thing about our offense is that we've got so many weapons, and I think just having people out there that make plays, I think that takes you know the pressure away, like you said, and um, you know having a run game and having guys to throw the ball on the outside with Keenan, Mike, Q, and Josh, um, they've done such an incredible job that you know my job is just to get them the ball in space and let them do the cool things. Justin Herbert downplaying his overall impact on the team, giving a lot of credit to his weapons, but. Jay, Justin Herbert sits atop the love list for our quarterbacks this week. He comes in for Barry as QB4 as he faces that Titans secondary. Yep. Firstly, like the Bend It Like Beckham look from Justin Herbert. Uh, you should give that a go, Matthew. I um, wish. I, I would kill for that hair. 
I, like, I he's got he's got he's good. got beautiful long locks. Yeah. He's step one before step three. Yeah, thank you it's very just, much. No, yeah, no, that's, like that's I'm doing the best cool. I can with what I got. I just don't got much. Yeah, that's, no, that's the problem. Fair. Just say Puka Nakua, no worries to yourself, and uh, and you'll get through that, Matthew. Means no worries. Uh, Justin Herbert last year when he played the Titans. Yeah. Threw the ball 42 times. Uh, that's just the recipe against Tennessee. It's just every single week, you cannot run on this team. You can absolutely throw on them. Herbert's passing prop is 283 and a half uh, for yardage. I think that's probably too low. I think this team is going to throw a lot, and Herbert should really be the beneficiary after, particularly after a week where they really committed to the run. But I think that was just based on the matchup, and this matchup would dictate that they're going to throw a ton. Since the start of last year, no team in the NFL has allowed more passing yards than the Tennessee Titans as well. We've talked about this again. When your defense all week has to stop Derrick Henry in practice, like that's what the secondary uh, gets after there. Again, they gave over 300 yards to Derrick Carr in week one. Uh, hashtag analysis, but Justin Herbert, better than Derrick Carr. Next up on the list here in the AFC, Trevor Lawrence, of course, going up against that Chiefs secondary. Lawrence and Calvin Ridley, that connection looked amazing week one, Barry and it's not just Calvin Ridley. He has Zay Jones there who had a really effective week. You'd think Christian Kirk at least has a little bit of a bounce back in some capacity. And he has Evan Ingram. Trevor Lawrence makes the love list this week. Yeah, we talked about him when we were talking about, about, uh, about Ridley as well. But it's a great matchup. His last, since the start of last year, no team in the NFL has allowed more touchdown passes than the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, when Lawrence played the Chiefs last season, 29-40, 259 yards, two touchdowns. He also ran for 26 yards, had a really nice game, 21 fantasy points. We think Lawrence is better this year. He's got more weapons. It's his second year in the system as well. This is a home game, by the way. Kansas City has to go to Jacksonville for this one. So, yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence has a very big game. He's my QB6 this week. He looked all sorts of ready against the Colts, and now this should be a shootout. As we've talked about once again, uh, per our friends at DraftKings, the over-under in this one, 51. Yep, and also I think it helps that Chris Jones, he is back. But, I mean, by his own admission, he said that he will find out if he's in football shape. So I'm not sure he's going to be on a full complement of snaps. We saw Nick Bosa with his first game back get kind of limited work after playing uh, a lot early. Trevor Lawrence, basically since halfway through last season, Lawrence has been close to the best quarterback in football. He has really been a monster, and uh, I think he'll want to make a statement against... uh, the best quarterback in football, Patrick Mahomes. Our last one here, rookie Anthony Richardson, who finished as a top-five quarterback in fantasy week one. The Colts travel to Houston, so things might get... Listen, Houston's defense looked good against Lamar Jackson. We don't know if that's going to be sustainable year one for D'Amico Ryans, but, Jay, Anthony Richardson, whether it's the rushing, even some of the throwing as well, the goal line work, they're running out of running backs. There's a lot of reason to be very optimistic about him in week two. Yeah, and I think week one was the epitome of what Anthony Richardson is going to be. It wasn't super efficient. It was much better fantasy-wise than real-life football winning games-wise, but for fantasy purposes, we don't care. Uh, and He's a top-five quarterback, and he's got a hugely favorable matchup, and uh, I guess he probably wants to make a statement against uh, C.J. Stroud, who went above him in the draft. Yeah, I think that's a great point here, like because he had he had 40 rushing yards. To your point, like Evan Hall banged up, Deion Jackson ineffective last week. We'll see if they get Zach Moss back and what he can do here. You know, so I think Anthony Richardson finishing as the Colts' leading rusher is well within the range of possibilities here. 37 pass attempts last week, and so maybe he doesn't throw as much, but I do think he's more effective in a better matchup against the Texans. The other thing that I think is really encouraging, they had three goal-to-go rushes last week, the Colts did. Anthony Richardson got two of them. So uh, we expect him to get in the end zone a couple of times here. He's a top-10 quarterback for me in week number two. Some others receiving votes. Daniel Jones on this list after the Cowboys. He basically goes from the basement to the penthouse in matchups. He has the Cardinals. Brock Purdy 
who looked incredible against the Steelers in week one. He'll take he'll face the Rams at the Rams. And then we talked about it earlier. The Seahawks pass rushes, they really couldn't get going. They have a tough matchup against that Lions offensive line. That's good news for Jared Goff here, Barry. When Goff has a clean pocket, he's unbelievable. You think about the Seahawks who allowed 334 passing yards to Matthew Stafford last week, the second most of any team in week number one. And now they get they get Jared Goff at home in the Dome where he normally plays well against Seattle as well. Second, fourth highest implied team total for the Lions this week per, uh, per DraftKings. You know, Goff isn't, you know, a borderline QB1 this week, just outside my just outside my top 12. And, yeah, Brock Purdy, all he does is throw two touchdowns every single game, you know. And no picks. He doesn't turn the ball over. No. I would... we're, we're merely, uh, I think we are at this point, I think we're two and a half weeks away from Brocktober. Brocktober. Well, on Brocktober uh, yeah. and Brock 2023, which is a campaign I'm about to launch, Brock Purdy's 25-1 to 1 to win MVP because he's Brock Purdy. His statistical profile is going to be a lot better than someone who should be who is 25-1 to 1 in the market because if you extrapolate his, his start to his career out over a full season, it's like 4,000 yards, close to 40 touchdowns, yeah. and like five interceptions. If he does that on the team that right now has the best chance of any team in the league to finish with the one seed because they're division and they don't have Dallas and Philadelphia fighting with each other, I think Brock Purdy could win MVP. 25 to 1. So let me spin it this way. Do you I think, like that bet. I, I do too. Do you think Kyle Shanahan gets so much of the credit that Kyle Shanahan becomes a much more interesting coach of the year bet because of that narrative? I think what yes. you do is you back that and Shanahan right. coach of the year, and then you just, whoever gets the credit, you covered. There right. you go. Uh, real quickly, just on the hate list here, Dak Prescott, he's playing the Jets. He doesn't need to run. Look, I mean, like the fact of the matter is, is Josh Allen is better than Dak Prescott. Josh Allen had four turnovers against the Jets. I don't expect Dak Prescott to go crazy again. He doesn't run as well. Since the start of last season, the Jets allowed touchdown passes at the lowest rate in the NFL. Brandon Cook's already dealing with an injury there. This should be a low-scoring game. He's my QB 18, Dak Prescott is. And Russell Wilson, look, sorry about it, Russell, but, you know, listen, 38-and-a-half over under. It's the lowest of any game in week three, I think. uh, I'm sorry, in week two. This should be a, um, you know, a offensively challenged game between my commanders and the Broncos. He had only one rushing attempt. Russell Wilson doesn't run anymore. That's the other concern as well. So since week 10 of last year, my commanders along the second fewest passing yards per game as well. Both Wilson and Howell are outside my top 15. Howell's not on the hate list because he is a future Hall of Famer, but Russell Wilson is. The toughest competition of the year is here. The biggest talents in men's rugby take the stage as 20 countries compete for 20 days of heart-pounding, hard-hitting action at the Rugby World Cup. Watch every match live on Peacock all the way through the final on October 28th. With games also available on CNBC. We're going to break when we're back. It's Last Call, our Thursday night football preview. Best bets. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, 
just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the app and use promo code BERRY when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. All right, guys, let's take a look at... By the way, official, the promo code Barry, what, do you think Connor... There's no Connor they, 5. Well, I was just going to say, right, because if you bet 5, you get $200 in free bets, but what if you use promo code Connor, you could bet $5 and get, like, only 100 bucks. We can try bets. this or again. Or with Jay, it is and Jay and only get, like, 50 bucks in free bets or yeah, something like that. Let's roll it back. Let's anyway, keep doing it for everything. All right, promo hey, code Barry gets you uh, 200 bucks here's in our free bets. Thursday Night Football Most Bet Player Props, of course, courtesy of our friends at DraftKings is you see TJ Hawkinson receptions over four and a half at the top. Dallas Goddard, a bounce back expected. Receiving yards over 46 and a half. Jake Elliott, extra points made. A Jay favorite, right? Kicker props over two and a half. Jordan Addison receptions over three and a half. Devontae Smith receptions over five and a half. Jay, what do you like tonight for Thursday Night Football? Terrifying bet. One of the worst uh, bets in football <laughs> you can start. make. But uh, Justin Jefferson under 93 and a half receiving mm. yards. Last time he went up against the Eagles, Darius Slay absolutely cooked him. It was the best game Darius Slay's probably ever played. Jefferson, despite having 12 targets, only went 6 of 48. Darius Slay had two interceptions. So I like the matchup there. And uh, as painful as it is, and would have lost by halftime last week, Justin Jefferson under 93 and a half receiving yards. Well, by the way, whether he goes over or under, the fact of the matter is, is that Jefferson's going to have his hands full with Darius Slay. There's no question about it, which is one of the reasons why I really like TJ Hawkinson um, over 48 and a half receiving yards. Again, remember the Eagles last week allowed 92 yards and a touchdown to opposing tight ends. Hunter Henry had a big week for the Patriots against the Eagles. Eagles usually don't guard the tight end very well. And so Hawkinson who had got nine targets last week, was second most among tight ends in week number one. I like Hawkinson over on the receiving yards. I also like Devontae Smith uh, over five and a half receptions uh, last week. Plus money. Four, right, at plus money. This is the other crate. Over four, five and a half receptions is plus money. He's had four straight games with seven or more receptions dating back to last season. His only game against Minnesota last week, he had seven receptions. My expectation is that, again, Jalen Hurts, especially with a run game banged up, injuries at, at the linebacker and safety position yeah. for the Eagles. Give me Devontae Smith on the over and TJ Hawkinson over in the receiving yards. I like it. There I'll keep go. the plus money trend going here, guys. A little bit more of a risky one at plus 190. How about Jalen Carter to get a sack tonight? He okay. looked unblockable week one. They're going to increase his snap count, especially on the short week. The other guy's got to get a little bit more rest. I don't think that Vikings defensive line is going to be able to block him. You just need one sack. For plus 190 for Jalen Carter tonight. I think he had uh, seven, seven pressures in 33 snaps, yeah, or something ridiculous, correct, and then got the almost game-winning sack uh, he, on Mac He Jones. looked ridiculous. Yeah. I like that. By the way, correlated bet, Kirk Cousins to throw a pick. Only It's minus 130, but still, it's a primetime <laughs> game where Kirk Cousins is going to be under pressure. Give me Kirk Cousins to throw a pick tonight on Thursday Night Football. Hey, it's closing time, which means you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. For Jay and Connor, I'm Matthew Berry. We will see you tomorrow. Read Love Hate on NBCSports.com. Good luck tonight. Peace out. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.